that's the song. And you know, I don't, I haven't listened to like any of it. All I've heard is just when they play like the chorus at arenas now, because I guess that's the thing to do. Um, but I've been wondering, how have they not made a funnier die video with Dave Chappelle bringing back Lil Jon? Because Dave Chappelle, um, you know, he doesn't want to be famous anymore, so he doesn't do anything cool anymore. He just does a little stand up, and that's it. I just, I, it's, it's, I, it's written out in my head. It's just, it's him answering the door, and he's in like a hotel room, and it's there's a maid at the door, and she goes through asking him like, uh, "You want fresh towel?" And he's like, "No, my dear, I think I, I'm quite okay on towels." And then she's like, "Do you want mint on your pillow?" He's like, no, I do not partake in the sweets and indulgences unless it's about the ganja, if you know what I mean. Ha, ha, ha. Then she goes, would you like turn down service? Turn down for what? Yeah! It's, see, this literally just wrote itself, and I'm an idiot when it comes to comedy. So just think how much funnier it'd be if there was actually effort put into it. Sure. Whatever you tell yourself to sleep at night. Oh. Oh, I sleep just fine. And I'm going to sleep just fine when we finish episode three of the all-new sports show, the podcast. Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on episode three, Wes. We've By the way, it- the only reason I'm talking like that is because I am exhausted. So It's it's fine. Don't. Great hour. Oh, oh, it's the power hour, don't you know? Yeah. It's it's going to be so much fun. Uh, we got a lot coming up for you guys on today's episode of the All New Sports Show, the podcast, including soccer. Like like we weren't going to talk soccer today, huh? Silly people. There's too well, much. We going. have a podcast. I mean, really. Yeah. There's there's just too much going on, including uh, LVG. Uh, FFP sanctions and breaking news, West Bradshaw. English men in power are sexist. England? Yes, and in jolly old England. Apparently, old men there are kind of sexist. Who knew? I would never have thunk it. Never. Such uh, a progressive forward thinking culture among the old in England. Oh, yes, with still the, uh, the, the monarchy just weighing them down. I believe if they got rid of the monarchy, they could. They could do some things. I don't love the monarchy. I love the king. I love the crown. You do love the crown. You you just you love the crown too much. I think you 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 need to support our boys. I think we need more Pippa. <laughs> Did you know she she wore uh, apparently she wore a fake butt. That at, was a bald face lash. Okay. I hope. I I hope. I hope it was. I can never. I can never see her telling a fib about a butt. I I. I it got too much enjoyment out of that for it to be a lie. It's just nice. I mean, what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot you can do. Uh, as far as baseball goes, Wes, we believe in the Bearcats, and they came through for us. We're going to talk Lander Bearcat baseball. They, they had to go to a final and deciding game in that most mysterious of Division II six-team regional brackets. But they came through late into the night. I stayed up. I am apparently more of a fan than you are. That and I had to be at work early the next morning and get two children ready for school. So. Ah, children. Psh. You just you just you just throw them in some clothes and you put them in a van and and you That's, see what happens. Absolutely. You you have just uh, nailed my parenting style right on the head. Yes. And of course, uh, so we're going to talk about that on their heels of their trip 
to the Division II College World Series, which will be taking place just up the road of 64 in Cary, North Carolina. And, and there are two things on this show that we believe in. One, we believe in Lander. Like you said, we're going to talk about them. And two, we believe in the Shield. We do believe in the no, Shield. No, we're going to talk about the Shield before the show's over. Oh, of course we are. Uh, I'm also going to uh, bitch about Carlos Rodon. Uh, not so much about him specifically, but uh, yeah, Elliot Avent didn't use him too well this year. And uh, just, just when he had the chance to totally redeem himself, he, he, he doesn't. So hopefully by the time we finish this podcast, Elliot Avent will be fired from NC State. Uh, we'll hit the zeitgeist. Uh, we'll finally get to the topic of should the U.S. host everything. Spoiler, still answer is yes. Uh, and we'll, of course, uh, get into our wrestling as Wes so helpfully brought up just a few minutes, seconds ago in our, I think, very appropriately titled segment, So Raw. It's so raw. So raw. It's this week's wrestling update. And uh, Wes, I brought up uh, Daniel Bryan last week to you. I'm going to bring this up to you now. Are we going to talk about Vince McMahon losing untold millions this week? No. Oh, it's a big story. Dollars. It's a rich guy who lost a lot of money, and all he is is still an extremely rich guy at the end of the day. But he's no longer a billionaire. Oh, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later because apparently we have different feelings on that, and different feelings always makes uh, for we, good podcasts. We will talk about it, no problem. All right, and of course, if you want to get in on the conversation, uh, you can get us on Twitter at All New Sports Show. Facebook is facebook.com slash show. Email us at show at gmail.com and send your ravens, send your letters, send your parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. And Wes, I want to start. As we are known to do, we like to talk about soccer on this show. We like the foot. We like the foot. We, we, we like the men in blazers, do we not? Oh, no doubt we enjoy the Men in Blazers. We enjoy the Men in Blazers. And last week, I... I, mean, I, I we steal content like it's going out of style. Oh, oh. It's, it's, we're keeping it in style by stealing... Hello. And, you know, since we're such big fans, we talked about it last week. I, uh, I, may have, I may have pushed a little something. May have pushed a little something. And uh, you can't see it right now because you're not on video with me. But I actually have... Uh, camera recording this right now. I'm about to do an unboxing live live on the podcast because something came today from jolly old England by way of the crap part of Soho. England? <laughs> England. England with, with John Terry's for all. And oh my, this is a oh, this is a strong package. Oh, it's coming undone. Here we go. Here we go. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am now going to be a full kit wanker. Oh, this is this is a very good construction. Oh. Well, we're going to show this to you on our video feed, which will be up on YouTube later today for those of you listening on Wednesday, because that's what day it is. Um, as you can see, we have a World Cup Survivor Kit with uh, Jurgen Klinsmann as uh, Christ the Redeemer. Fantastic little thing here. A new uh, toboggan, as most call it. I, I'm not sure what they call it. It has uh, courage and dominate on the sides. Looks, it's, called, it's, called a, it's called a beanie. It's called a beanie. We're, call, we're calling it the beanie? Okay, that's fine. Oh, beanie. Uh, and then, of course, Wes, momentous occasion here. My first scarf. 
Ah, your first scarf. I have my first scarf, and uh, it says on here, uh, we got Von Traps, the name of our, our, our men's national team, which is on Wikipedia, which means it's official now. Uh, Brazil 2014. And uh, it has the U.S. flag. And on the back, it says, uh, No rosto now, no, uh, oh yeah, no rosto now, not in the face. Not in the face. Not in the face in Portuguese. Oh, it's excellent, Wes. And uh, we also got, going to hold it up to the, gonna hold this up to the camera. It's a patch. Holmans de Paletto, Men in Blazers, Mede Odia, Size the Day. We'll be going on my blazer. I'm going to keep this scarf on, but as to not hit the microphone. And I'm going to keep my beanie on, which you have named it. I, I, I still feel like it's a toboggan, but... Uh, well, is there a ball on top of it? There is a ball on top of it. Oh, you're toboggan territory. Oh, yeah. Okay. So... So that's As it. you said, I'm not on. A, I'm on no video. So would you would you like to throw up the video? We can actually throw up video here really quick. I believe. Uh, no one wants to see me sitting at my kitchen table. Oh, we're not going to see you. I'm I'm recording oh, the video on my iPhone, oh, which wow. is a separate thing. So if you can actually see me right now, oh, I am I am I got my scarf and now you can see my super fantastic toboggan. Oh boy. Oh, you like you like the little poof ball on top. I would love for you to wear that literally everywhere we go from now. <laughs> you know what? Uh, it's only supposed to be uh, high seventies this Saturday. Lander Bear, like a little chilly, eh? <laughs> it just might, eh? So Lander Bearcats might be getting a uh, special visit from the Von Traps and their supporters. So you guys will get to see that, and um, yeah, I hope you all enjoy that little unboxing. We might do another unboxing next week, or at least we'll post it. Or I'll post it because I have it with me. Uh, don't send me anything. So. Yeah, uh, I got a lot of packages today. Also, uh, hopefully, maybe one day these will be our sponsor. Uh, the guys over at Loot Crate. Uh, LootCrate.com, go there. Uh, if you like geek crap uh, and want to get cool stuff every month. Uh, you've heard of the, uh, the people that do the, uh, the razor blades. Get the razor blades every month. You've heard of them, right? I, I, I am a member of the Dollar Shave. Oh, well, there you go. This, this is like that. But uh, if you're a gigantic nerd. Um, so instead of getting cool razor blades every month, uh, for those of you on Skid Row, or if you just like to shave a lot, uh, this, is, this is for geek stuff. So I'm actually going to do an unboxing of this later. Not going to do it now because it doesn't really relate to the podcast. But hopefully by mentioning them, they will sponsor our podcast one day. And maybe if they do sponsor our podcast one day, maybe, just maybe, maybe we'll start giving some stuff out to our listeners that I don't want. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't want anything in this fantastic Loot Crate box, but... Well, why don't we try to pimp ourselves out as well to the Dollar Shave Club? I'm a big fan. I enjoy shaving up to twice a week. There you go. And, uh, and all I've got to say is I have more razors stashed away now than I've ever had and I've just gotten into the double digits of paying for it. Ooh, very nice. And now what I've gone and done after collecting for four to five months, I've just put it on a nice hold until I'm ready for razors again in about three years. Well, there you go. That's, that is not only smart business decision, that's eco-friendly. That's me. And, and love the eco. You and Pat Sajak, but that's another podcast. Uh, so let's get into it. We've we've been we've been pimping ourselves enough here. 
Uh, let's get right down to it. Uh, some big news. Louis van Gaal, the, the shocker not heard around the world because everybody knew it was going to happen, has finally happened. He is in at Manchester United. He will be taking over for Giggsy after his three-game stint with the club. And, of course, the train wreck of the football genius that was David Moyes, a fantastic manager who has managed the Dutch national team. He had a bit of a rough stint at Barca and at Bayern, but has had some great turnaround success stories as well, including uh, at uh, AZ Alkmaar, and has been a very, very big disciplinarian. Obviously, a bit of a turnaround from David Moyes. Uh, Wes, before we hit the signing period, where does this leave Man U right now? Well, I think even bigger than the fact that uh, they have Louis van Gaal now is the fact that Louis van Gaal has 200 million pounds, apparently, to spend. Um, So I think that's even bigger than anything. Um, He's definitely an improvement over Moyes. Um, That said, with this hire, Ed, Manchester United has now cemented their status of being just another European superpower. The first ever non-British manager of Man United. And, I mean, they, you know, for years, Man United has always spouted about doing things the right way, the British way, their way. Uh, you're, you're Chelsea now. Congratulations. <laughs> we should mention, for, for the sake of completion, Frank O'Farrell did also manage the club. So he, I don't think he's a true foreigner, the, the Irishman, Frank O'Farrell. I said, I said British. Uh, that's close enough. It's, it's a very confusing country. Um, Apparently but, there's something called Wales. I still can't think of it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yes, the 62-year-old is taking over this year, and I think it's going to be an interesting departure for Manu, as you said. Obviously, this is a dramatic shift away from going for homegrown uh, managers. And I think the the thing I want to know most is, is his style going to go over well with this team? I mean, you, you, he, there's stories about him. There's stories of, I, I need to pull it up here, uh, with, uh, when he was in Bayern Munich, and uh, he basically did a dress down of Luca Toni, his, one of his midfielders, just right in the middle of lunch, just right in the middle of a team meal, one of the rules was you don't slouch. He told Tony not to slouch, and he kept slouching. And so he went over, picked the guy up, and uh, for measurement's sake, Van Gaal is 6'1", Tony is 6'3". So two pretty big dudes. And uh, he picked him out of his seat, and then he dressed him down, and then he walked back to his lunch in silence, apparently. Uh, and Tony uh, left on a free transfer that season. So I guess my thoughts are, how is this very disciplinary, very, very strict guy going to come into Manchester United with a lot of big personalities, a lot of, of money guys who, I don't want to say maybe had their run in the club, but who are obviously maybe used to a little less under David Moyes. How, how is this going to go over? Well, first and foremost, you're going to see a house cleaning at Man United over the next six months. Um, Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand already out the door, Nemanja Vidic already out the door. Uh, you know, actually there was talk of Patrice Ever on the way out, but today I saw a report that, um, 
you know, uh, Van Hall actually uh, fancies Patrice Everett, so we might be seeing the Frenchman sticking around Old Trafford for a while longer. You know, the one thing right now that you've got with United, if you take out the Robin Van Persie, Wayne Rooney's of the world, is actually they have, you know, not so much of an established squad at this point. You're not counting Shinji Kagawa? Uh, yeah, he's just been a breath of greatness, hasn't he? Uh, but, I mean, you know, you look at Phil Jones and Chris Smalling and, you know, whatever they're passing off as a midfield these days. You know, these are guys who, to me, they're expendable. You know, they're guys that they can move. Um, they're guys who they don't have to put their, you know, they don't have to tie the anchor to for years to come. Those guys are, they're going to be expendable under the new regime. You know, you've got guys who are your building blocks. You're one Mata, like we said, Rooney, Van Persie. I think really it's going to come down to, a lot of it's going to come down to how does he get along with Rooney? Because apparently he and Van Persie have a very good relationship. He's the Dutch coach right now. So he's got Van Persie all summer in Brazil. You know, no problem there. Uh, Mata still trying to bed in at United. I don't think he would be a problem, but you know, Rooney is kind of the, he, he's that guy. He, he's that dude, I guess we could say at Man United, um, who, as you said, has had his run of the club for so long. Every time it seems like he does something wrong, he makes us, he, he turns it over and gets a raise out of the deal. <laughs> and I believe at this point, I believe he's the highest paid player in the premier league. Um, so that, that's where it's going to, that's really what's going to come down to with the drama around there is, uh, can Van Gaal and, uh, Wayne Rooney get along if they can, I don't think you'll have too much problem there. Well, here's two things then also by talking about Van Gaal one tactically, uh, he's been described as a middle ground between, uh, our friend Jose Mourinho and Pep Guardiola, uh, which I did I even come close to pronouncing that right? I'm just going to call him Pep. Or Guardiola. 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 There we go. I'm just going to call him Pep. Uh, so he's somewhere in between those. He, he likes to attack, uh, but is hesitant to go all out, all out, all out. Um, and then on the other hand, you also have someone who has been very, I don't want to say slow to build success, but he doesn't. he hasn't had a lot of instant turnarounds. Uh, you know, at Bayern, he really built up the farm system there at Barca, he really built up a farm system, even though he didn't really get a chance to bring those guys up to the starting 11 and really get to play with them. He, he was responsible for a lot of, of that buildup with the youth they had. Mm -hmm. So my question is one, how are the, his uh, tactics going to change man United after coming off David Moyes, who is very much a defensive minded strategist and two, after David Moyes being having such a short stint, are the man you faithful and the man you uh, higher ups going to have patience with Van Gaal, who is also we should note sixty two going into this year? Uh, technically, I think it's a big improvement for him, just because obviously David Moyes' tactics were not working. He's and a football genius. He is a football genius, but you know sometimes the lessers just can't pick up on the nuances of what he wants to do. But, you know, when you look at it, this was a team that never bought into his very conservative, um, you know, don't take risks type of mentality. 
Van Hall is going to open it up more. I don't know if they'll go back to the attacking prowess they had under Sir Alex, mm-hmm. uh, which was, you know, Sir Alex, one thing he always as well wanted to do was he wanted to play a very attractive game. Moyes never cared about playing no, not at all. game, um, which was quite obvious. I think you'll see a more attractive United side. Uh, as far as the turnaround, I think year one, the goal – the minimum goal for them is going to be fourth place and getting back into the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness, you know, Spurs took some pressure off of them by taking that last Europa spot. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Great job, guys. You're welcome. We, we, had to, we had to play our Thursday night football. We could not play it. <laughs> you love the Thursday night games. Yes. But, you know, really, if you look at it, United is somewhat in a position that Liverpool was just in this year where you're going to play your three competitions, your League Cup, your FA Cup, and your league, and you don't have to worry about Europe. And yes, while you hate to say, oh, we don't have to worry about Europe, in a year that United's about to go through, that could actually be the blessing in disguise of obviously not getting the poison chalice that is Europa. Um, And since you weren't making Champions League anyway it's almost better to miss out on everything than to be stuck having to play those Thursday night games in Armenia or wherever you guys like to go. <laughs> oh, we love it. We, we love going to the terrible parts of Russia, uh, which is to say Russia. We love going to Uzbekistan, I'm sure, if they field a UEFA team. Just, any, just any, everywhere. Anytime, anytime I hear the word uh, Balkans, <laughs> usually I just think of bombs in the 1990s. Yeah. It, it's it's great. Any anytime we can we can hit up the old Soviet Union, we, we yeah, gotta any, do it. Any place that is a uh, is now an independent nation of the former Soviet Union, that's always fun to go play in. Of course, nice uh, hot new show. Uh, well, Wes, final thoughts on Van Gaal. What what do you see, Man U doing this season? Where where do you see them finishing? Obviously, we still got to go through the transfer market. But where, where do you see them as of right now finishing up the 2014-15 Premier League season? It's never too early to ask this question. No, no. I think they're going to improve on seventh place. Um, if for no other reason, I think Everton's going to come back to the pack um, just because they're losing some really important guys just from loans. And they'll probably lose a couple in the transfer market before it's said and done. Um I think they're I think they're somewhere between fourth and sixth. Uh, I think they're going to be slugging it out with um, the Arsenal's, uh, Tottenham's, truly Liverpool's and Chelsea's of the world. You know, trying to finish somewhere between third and fourth. But I think they're fourth to sixth somewhere. They could sneak in the Champions League. I believe they'll probably get a Europa spot and maybe challenge for one of the cups. All right. Well, that's, it's going to be an interesting year at Old Trafford this year, and we will be keeping a keen eye on the proceedings there, and we'll have to see how long LVG lasts. Uh, you actually mentioned it on, I believe, episode one maybe of the podcast, or maybe it was in episode zero, uh, that you actually thought LVG uh, could come in for maybe a couple years and then hand it over to Ryan Giggs, who is going to be his number one assistant. That'll be something to see. You know, with Giggs... It's hard to be a great transcendent player, which Giggs was, and then turn into a manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's take a look at just some of the luminaries. Alex Ferguson, not a great player. Mourinho, not a great player. Uh, 
Van Gaal, I don't believe, was a great player. You know, and just when we're getting to Lander in a few minutes, you know, our, hey, take our buddy baseball Britt, for example. You know, Britt played high school baseball, but he was nowhere near being a star, didn't play very much, but he sat and he learned the game and he loved the game. It, sometimes it can be hard for the superstar to turn around and become the coach because one thing that made them a superstar was they had a ton of natural talent that just made them better than everybody else. Of course. And you can't teach natural talent. No, you cannot. What you can teach is teams to play by the rules. FIFA fair play sanctions. Hooray. Uh, yep. Financial fair play has hit Manchester city and PSG among other clubs. Right now, UEFA is currently investigating nine UEFA clubs. I believe uh, Zenit is also one of them, uh, as well as a couple others. But right now, uh, Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain have both been heavily sanctioned by UEFA. Uh, they are, I believe, taking the penalties that they have been given. They are not going to go to court with them. Um I'm just trying to read here what the actual penalties are. Uh, they will have City at least will only be able to take 21 players instead of the usual 24 into next year's Champions League. Uh, that is a big uh, blow, especially when you have to consider that uh, at least some of them have to be homegrown talent. And for a team like City, who likes to have so many foreign players on his team, that's just a couple more spots that they aren't able to just stash on the bench a couple guys. Now they're losing some of those uh, extra spots. Um, the, also, they went well above the $62 million, or $62 million pounds, sorry, uh, margin, which it's basically where, Wes, please tell me if I'm getting this wrong. You can't spend $62 million more than you make. It's somewhere in there. It's yeah. basically it's basically just teams having an open checkbook and not caring about the bottom line at all. It's like we'll just buy anybody we feel like, and who cares if we make money because we're oil sheiks and we have more money than anyone anyway. Yes, and that's that's one of the big things. You know, we we talked about it last week on the pod. Uh, it was Manchester City's crazy spending bad for the Premier League, uh, and we had some opinions about it. Obviously, UEFA is trying to step in and trying to curb that a little bit as far as Champions League and Europa competition. Uh, but just things like this, City made a record British loss of $308 million, that is dollars, in 2010-2011, and $192 million the year before, all of which were covered by billionaire Sheikh Mansour, the owner of the club. Now, they are getting it a little more under control. In 2012, its deficit was $160 million, and last year it was $87 million. So they're, they're starting to get a little bit better about it. But shopping, right, on the, shopping on the thrift rack, huh? Yeah, just them and Mclemore. Um, but I tell you what, it's you know the financial fair play rules are supposed to stop clubs getting into unmanageable debt or allow wealthy benefactors to give top teams an unfair advantage. Um, Arsene Wenger had some very strong opinions about it. He believes pretty much that they should be kicked out. If uh, I'm sorry, I believe that they should be kicked out. I, I do not understand why you have these rules and, and then you do not apply them to the teams. There is an example of where the French accent actually fits. We, we finally found it, Wes. We found one where my French accent finally 
accurately applied. Well, and the thing is, you know, the problem is when you hear Arsene Wenger say it, everyone just rolls their eyes yes. because he's literally like your cheap uncle who, you know, goes to McDonald's and sees you there and asks you if you're going to finish your fries. <laughs> and that is Arsene Wenger. Uh, apparently right now, and just not to get too far off topic, Wenger has reportedly been given a 100 million pound war chest of which he will spend about two million pounds on some French midfielder that you've never heard of, and, and, they, sell, and sell his top three players. I'm sure there's some Germans he could also get to uh, to make Mesut feel a little more at home. But right now, I, I mean, is this is this really a problem? Is this something UEFA should really be trying to do? I mean, we have heard, you know, those tales of especially in the Spanish Premier Division of teams vying for the title. And basically, almost going bankrupt trying to get to the top. Is this UEFA trying to save teams from themselves, or or is this uh, going against our capitalism ways as we talked about last week and just rubbing us the wrong way? Well, not even then. I mean, you look back through history. I mean, look through England. You know, folks, there was a time Nottingham Forest and Leeds United were two of the most successful clubs in England because they basically borrowed and mortgaged their way to Premier League and Champions League titles. And now they're stuck down in, you know, the championship and can't get out of it and have no money because the clubs are almost completely you know, irrelevant at this point because they mortgaged everything for a few seasons of greatness. As as a Liverpool fan who we were very close about four or five years ago before John Henry bought the team to being to being Nottingham Forest. Um <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, it, not everyone has a sheik. Mm-hmm. And you bring in businessmen who, you know, they you bring in businessmen who all they see is the bottom line. <clears throat> I can come to the Premier League and I can make a lot of money. And then I'll just sell and get out and not worry about it anymore. And and that's kind of the problem is, you know, these guys come in, they're just looking to make their money. They're going to borrow against the team's name, against the team's debt. And then they're just going to leave you high and dry at the end of the day. So financial fair play is rooted in a very good cause. They've just got to figure out a way to make it a little more effective. Um, before we continue with that, we should also know we I do actually have the list of the rest of the squads. Uh, Turkish clubs Galatasaray, Bursaspor, and Trabzonspor, uh, as well as we mentioned ZSP from Russia. Hi, AVB. Hello. Uh, as well as Ruben Kazan and Anzi Makachkala. As I got vi- I you see I got that one right thanks to Thursday night football last year. Well, I'm I am gonna uh, correct you on Galatasaray. Galatasaray? Galatasaray. Ah, I, I, just, I just call him Galatasaray. And just, just blend them all together. Just call him Gala. It's just, a, it's, there's like eight A's in that word. It, it's, it's abnormal. Anyway, um, but is, is, is Arson kind of right here? Do they need to actually sink their teeth in and kick teams out to make this effective and really kind of start laying down the ban hammer? Because, these fines aren't going to really do much to, to wealthy businessmen. These people have a ton of money. So are these sanctions enough, or do they actually really need to kick these teams out? Or does it need to be like maybe a three-strike system where you know you, you, you do it the first time, these are your punishments. If you do it again, now you're gone. 
Well, it's kind of like the Major League Baseball uh, steroid policy. Right. You know, we're going to give you a slap on the wrist to start with. Um, and then, you know, and then we'll sink our teeth in and we're going to really hurt you on it. You know, right now, I truly believe if, if the chic monster looks at it and says, okay, I pay an extra 50 million pounds, um, hmm, but I'm still in the Champions League and I can still go buy a ton of guys, you know, so I'll just make my 21 I can carry amazingly incredible. You know, for him, it's worth an extra 50 million fine. You know, they, uh, somewhere along the way, there does have to be some teeth put into this policy. Yeah, I, I think at some point it's it's going to happen. I, I don't think, because I, I believe that this is really the tip of the iceberg. If they don't curb this, it's going to keep happening. And then it's just, it's there, but it does nothing. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really hurt the top teams. This doesn't hurt Man City. This isn't probably going to hurt PSG. It might hurt Ruben Kazan. I, I don't know enough about Ruben Kazan to really know if they could effectively hold off these kind of sanctions. Maybe they can, but I, I don't know if they can. They might be a team that just kind of quickly rose up through Russia. Uh, as you can tell, research not a part of this podcast. Um, and, and they might not be able to handle it as well as somebody like City or PSG. Well, and uh, just an example of teams that it would really hurt, you know, and, and teams that we all know. Someone like a Liverpool, someone like a Man United. Swansea, Swansea was in Europa last year. This would have destroyed them. Well, yeah, but and the, well, and the reason I'm saying Liverpool and Man United, Liverpool and Man United, here's the deal: they have rich owners. Mm-hmm. You know, John Henry has a lot of money. The Glazers have a lot of money. But you know, while those guys have spent well, and sometimes they have spent big, um, more more United at this point than Liverpool over the last few years. You know, for them, they could not be because, you know, they run it as a business, not as a, you know, private toy. It's not their toy. It's a business. And businesses cannot take hits like that. You know, someone who this is, you know, Sheik Mansoor, he has 83 yachts, you know, bigger than my house um, and your house and my neighbor's houses put together. For him, like I said, fifty million pounds is you know all in a day's work. It it is the unfortunate reality, and and it's one where we're going to have to see. UEFA has been kind of soft on things in the past, not just when it comes to stuff like this, but just even assessing penalties on fouls. Um, on, on when it comes time to uh, battle racism, they've been very soft in the past. Uh, they have been very. Uh, slow to hand out punishments on those kind of things. So it's going to be interesting to see going forward if UEFA actually wants to show its teeth and if this is the, the thing that they're going to choose to, to really bear their fangs on, as it were. Um, but now moving forward to our last soccer topic. Uh, as you said, Englishmen, they can be a little sexist. Uh, right now, the man in question is Richard Scudmore. Scudmore? excuse me, the chief executive of England's Premier League, who uh, sent a bunch of emails of sexist and crude nature, uh, reading from the New York Times article by one Juliette McCure, uh, quote, the emails were so vulgar that most of their content could not be printed here. 
But if you can imagine how a 14-year-old puberty-driven boy might discuss girls to his 14-year-old puberty-driven friends, you pretty much have an idea of what Scudamore, a 54-year-old father of five, including two daughters, considered appropriate banter in his work email. Again, that was Juliet McCurr reporting for the New York Times. Well, um, it's, it's, it's probably close to how certain 32-year-old... Uh, Males who live in Edgecombe County may banter on from time to time, not not accusing anyone or pointing any fingers, but you know. Thank God you don't live in Edgecombe County, right, Wes? Well, actually, I do, but may, but definitely not myself. <laughs> um, I I think the the key here though is that you know he's he's come out and you know he's apologized. He said, "Oh, these exchanges do not reflect my views towards women in football, the workplace, or in general." Blah 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 blah. blah. Um. The interesting thing about this is the Premier League has decided to do absolutely nothing about this. Uh, last week, we talked about Donald Sterling. We, we mentioned him being banned from the NBA for being sort of a racist. We, met, we wondered if Raheem was safe from this. And now here's the Premier League with this, this very sexist man, apparently, at the top level. And it's just, no... No, we're good. You're, you're, you, you're sorry. That's fine. No, no fine. No suspension. No nothing. Just no. You're, you're, uh, sorry is enough. Wes, as lovers of women as we are, we're trying to be a little more progressive. How stupid is this by the Premier League? don't really know because you also know Ed, that I'm one of those people who says that the world is just too sensitive about everything now. You do. I like to say that boys will be boys and there's nothing more boy than just talking a little smack about the ladies. That's just what we do when we get in the locker rooms or when we get around our pals. But the problem is, dude, before you hit send on an email, you've got to remember that you are a major CEO, president, whatever this guy is, of one of the biggest pro sports leagues in the world. And anything that you say provocative will bring about controversy. I don't know if I say you remove him for this, but there needs to be some sort of a punishment. You know, they need to do something in the vein of, promoting women's issues, whatever that may be, somewhat like Michael Vick did with the Mm -hmm. ASPCA after coming out of prison. You know, somewhere, even even if he doesn't totally mean it, he needs to to show his, his, you know, sorrow for what he said. I I think you're exactly right. I think you're... It's the digital age, and he's not hes not in his 80s. He's not in his 70s. He's not even in his 60s. He's 54. He, sh- he should know exactly what he's doing. There's, there's no, oh, I did not know that these emails could get out. Oh, my God, is, what is this electronic typing machine for me? There's, there's no excuse about that. That, that wasn't much of an English accent, but continue. I wasn't trying to be an English accent this time. I just eh, sounded it, like you were doing your Arsene Wenger again. Sorry. I apologize. I apologize to Arsene Wenger. Apologies. Oh. Apologies. Um, and how you've completely thrown me off track. Okay, he's got to know 
what he's doing. There's no way. And, and the excuse, these exchanges do not reflect my views towards women in football, the workplace, or in general. That's garbage. That's utter crap. You don't put that in an email to your colleagues believing apparently that that's never going to get out if you don't believe it. If these were in if this was an official press release, this never would have been said. Never. But because it's email and because it's quote unquote private, the fact that he actually has the gall to say that those don't reflect his views is it's 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 bull that's it's that's literally the only thing it is it's complete and utter garbage and i can't believe that the premier league is letting him get off on that and well and, and the whole problem is you can say oh you want these are not my views obviously they are your views yeah it, <laughs> you are, are if you're saying it they are your views and that's the thing like it's it's not it, it's not even like it was an off the cuff like you mentioned about you know you get with your pals and you get to do a little bit of smoking and a little bit of drinking and then you start as Ron Burgundy would say flapping your gums. Um, that's what's said is said and while it can be very terrible and you still shouldn't be maybe forgiven for it, it happens. Things get said. We've all said stupid stuff in our lives. The fact that he took the time to type these words into an email and had the opportunity to hit backspace or delete however his keyboard words it before hitting send. And he didn't. That's the problem. He didn't. He couldn't. He didn't have to send it. And he did. So there's no way you can say, I think the Premier League needs to put this guy in a very dark back corner office, have him never see the light of day again to the media, and as you said, I think they need to promote the crap out of women, promote the Women's Premier League, which exists. Uh, Premier, just for anything, women, 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 get, get on the, the breast cancer train, uh, you know, raise a bunch of ton of support and awareness of that. Anything you can do because you messed up, you done messed up. And this is not nearly good enough. I know what you're saying. The world can be a little too sensitive at times. But my God, when you are in this kind of position, you cannot do this. And if you're the Premier League, you've got to take a harsher stand for this. Because this basically gives every other person a right to say whatever the hell they want. Uh, and my last thing I'll add to it is, you know, if, if the guy's dumb enough to do that, Yep. Are you letting him run your multi-billion-dollar league at this point? It's 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 a business decision, you know, just like with the Donald Sterling thing. Yeah, he's racist, and that's terrible from a human being standpoint. But the fact that you can lose a ton of sponsors, and oh, by the way, a lot of players from ever coming to play for your team again, if not almost all of them, is bad for business as well. I think you hit the nail on the head right there, Wes. All right, we're gonna calm down here. And we're going to talk about something that makes us a little bit more happy. And Wes, we believed in them. America believed in them. The Bearcats are going to carry. They're going to the College World Series. Lander wins on a crazy night. They beat Columbus State in, I believe it was about 2 o'clock in the morning on Sunday night. They beat Columbus State 5-2 after losing to Columbus State earlier that same day. 
uh, 19 to 5. Columbus State held off elimination but could not do it. Big, big hits uh, and a big pitching performance from Dylan Wolchick. He's 12 and 1 on the year, and he went the distance. He took the ball in his hand, he went all nine, and when Lander needed a win, he got it for them. Also doubles uh, for Lander by Weston Lawing and Colby Painter, and a home run by Eric Lundy. Um, first trip to the College World Series in program history. Not much else to say, but congratulations, Lander. I, it's an incredible achievement. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, this is a program that five years ago when Kermit Smith took over, <clears throat> you know, they weren't seen by anyone as, you know, it's not like they were seen as one of those uh, sleeping giants or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they they got a good young coach who, you know, they believed in and he believed in them. And he has gone and just done a phenomenal job there. And, of course, our buddy Baseball Britt, the assistant, the head assistant down there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's bringing his expertise. You know, I was joking with Britt, and I've got, a, I've got a good line for him if they can get this national title in. And I used to tell Britt all the time that he was going to win uh, state championships as a high school baseball coach in North Carolina. Say, so, well, maybe I underestimate you because you're going to win a national championship at the college level now. So. Absolutely. It, it's absolutely fantastic to see them there. Um, great on them. You know, last we talked to baseball, Brett, uh, about a month or so ago, back, back in the, as they were finishing close to the season. And one thing I remember him talking about was how just absolutely crushed that team was last year to not get a, a berth into the NCAA tournament and how that has just propelled them. And they basically looked at each other and said, never again. It's not happening again. And to turn that around from the disappointment of last season to now be the number two ranked team in the country, in the entire country, and now be heading to the College World Series, is an, it's, it's a tremendous story. It's a great, great program on the rise. And there's just no doubt in my mind that they are, they are building a program there. And this is something, it's tough in Division Two. They saw last year, even with a good season, they couldn't get in with just the 48 spots. But this is something that they can really try to sustain. Uh, real quick, before I uh, before you say, Wes, uh, they are playing this Saturday in Cary. Guys, go check them out. They are playing Chico State at 5 p.m. And uh, the College World Series for Division II works pretty much like the Division I College World Series over in Omaha. Uh, eight teams split up into basically two brackets, for a double elimination tournament, you play through that, you win your bracket, then you play for the national championship. Unlike Division One, their national championship is a single game, and that will be next Saturday, May 31st, at 7 p.m. in Cary. If Lander can make it, we'll, of course, be there. But, you know, Wes, it's it's incredible. Well, without a doubt, and, you know, for, for Britt Johnson and Thomas Berry, I mean, how crazy is it? You're at literally the highest level you can go, and you get to do it an hour from home. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just already people I've talked to this week, um, there's going to be a really good contingent of people from Nash County, that uh, Nash and, Edge and Edgecombe and probably Wilson County, that will end up going just to show their support for those two guys. Lander is going to have – if anyone can have a home field advantage at the World Series, it's going to be Lander 
just because those two guys have uh, you know so much clout that they've swung around here. I mean, everybody in the sports industry in Nash County knows Britt. Mm-hmm. Everybody in Edgecombe County knows Britt. Most people in Wilson County know Britt. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're going to get a lot of people up there. Um, it, it's going to be great. I mean, you know, you and I are going to be walking around as the – only sports show big shots. I expect to be signing probably uh, probably as many autographs as the players while we're there. Oh, of course. Um, but Especially it, me and my toboggan. I mean, but you know, I know we're both planning on heading up there on Saturday, and we're going to do some we're going to do some shooting from there, and hopefully get to talk to Britt, talk to Thomas. Um, but I expect to see a lot of people that are very familiar faces to us that are up there pulling for Lander who. Probably couldn't even tell you where Lander is. No, not at all. I I couldn't tell you it until about you know a couple months ago. But it's it's such a great story. Make it get out there, guys, and uh, make it a home game for Lander. Even even though they are from South Carolina, make it a home game. We got some products from right here. Go check it out and believe in the Bearcats. Keep believing. All right, Wes. Before we get into the zeitgeist. I'm going to bitch about Carlos Ferdon's usage this year. Keith Law wrote an article about it, just absolutely skewing Elliott Avent, coach of NC State, earlier in the season for sending him back out there in an eighth inning with, I believe, a five-run lead in a game in which he'd already thrown over 115 pitches. Pitch count is probably a little overrated at this point as far as trying to keep a kid healthy. But when there's no... Just ask the Atlanta Braves. Yes. You know, just ask anybody this year who's dealt with it. You know, Cliff Lee is going to get his shoulder looked at. Uh, so apparently it's the injury bug is hitting everybody this year. But in a game where you got to believe in your bullpen can hold a four or five run lead, you just you say seven innings, good work. You're at 116 pitches. That's probably good enough for today. No, he sent him back out there. Keith Law wrote an article eviscerating him. Call, uh, pro scouts eviscerated him. Terrible. That brings us to today or yesterday, because you're listening to this on Wednesday, which is when we're taping this, of course. Uh, over in Greensboro at Newbridge Bank Park, NC State and North Carolina played uh, an elimination game to get into the ACC baseball tournament. NC State is the number 10 seed. They probably had to have at least a very good showing, if not just outright win the ACC tournament to make the NCAA tournament. So preseason top, pre-season top five, by the way. Correct. Correct. Not the head of the season they expected. And uh, they are now squarely on the bubble going into the ACC tournament. Wes, if you were the coach of a team who had Carlos Rodon, and you were facing a single elimination game to get into the ACC tournament, where you know you were going to play three solid teams that could help your RPI and help your chances to get to the NCAA tournament. Would you throw Carlos Rodon in this elimination game? I wouldn't. I, I always live by the philosophy that you've got to get into the tournament before you can uh, try to win games in the tournament. That's 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 what I thought. Which which is uh, interesting when I when I look at the box score for today's game in a four three Carolina a four a four three Carolina um he played yes he played (laughs) he played unfortunately he's not listed under the uh, the pitching statistics he is he's listed as a batter as a designated hitter 
who went 0 for 3 with a walk. So, Wes, my question is, if you're Elliot Avent and you have probably the number two, number one draft pick in this coming up Major League Baseball draft, one of the best pitchers in college baseball, and you were in an elimination game, my question is, why don't you use him? I hate NC State, and it's driving me insane that Elliot frickin' Avent did not use his best pitcher in an elimination game. Why is he thinking, and why has he not been fired yet? Call me down, West. What has happened? What, what, why has sanity left Raleigh? Well, the reason he has not been fired yet is over the years, Elliot Avent does have a very good track record at NC State, including a College World Series appearance last year. So I don't believe he'll be going anywhere. His thinking for today, you know, double guess, second guessing a coach who loses a game is the easiest thing in the world for us to do because a our jobs weren't on the line, and b you know we, we're seeing here through rose tinted glasses. For all I know, Carlos Rodon may have been pitching today, and he woke up and his he slept on his neck wrong last night. Anything could have happened. I, I'm my guess, my guess because I don't know, is that Avent thought he had enough to get through a game today, and then maybe he can turn around and throw Rodon in another game. Um, and if you look at it, I mean, you lost four to three on a, and and also an extremely controversial play at home plate where Trey Turner looked to have outright stolen home plate. And the umpire from, well, from everything I've heard, and these were state fans, the umpire completely blew the call. Yes. Um, my question is, you know, just, I, I don't understand. Although this, this, I was going to quote from this ACC blog here, uh, talking about, um, you know, the game and, and what happened and everything. But it mentions that uh, this... Oh, I'm sorry. They're, they were talking about the game last year in Omaha. My apologies. Uh, apparently, though, uh, Avent had thought about th- throwing Rodon today um, and didn't um, did did not. There's no reason really given. Uh, Avent is quoted as saying, "You've just got to plan out the whole week, but obviously, you have to win the first game." And here's my here's my other thing. Just just thinking a little more rationally. If you pitch Rodon today, today's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. which is actually yesterday because you were listening to this podcast on Wednesday. The game was on Tuesday. Yes, the game was on Tuesday. The championship game of the ACC tournament is on Sunday. I believe if you throw Carlos Rodon on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four days rest. Well, he's you, ready to go. I'm just saying. He's ready to go. Well, I'm just saying you win, you win Tuesday, you're guaranteed three games, you figure it out then, and if you win your pool, you have Carlos Rodon going Sunday. Well, I could agree with that. You know, getting getting to what you were talking about a little earlier, and I just want to make a quick comment on the usage of Rodon. Sure, go ahead. <clears throat> College baseball coaches, especially at big-time programs, to me have one of the hardest jobs that you could possibly have. I would say that. That's especially fine. when you've got guys, and pitchers in particular, who are high-level future draft picks. Rodon, I mean, just look down at what's happened to East Carolina this year. Jeff Hoffman, who was a top-five lottery pick, well, he, 
He had to go visit old Tommy John about a week ago. He's having Tommy John surgery now himself. Mm -hmm. You're basically sitting. I I don't know what it is. This is something we're going to have to figure out in baseball. Somehow it has become epidemic that this time of this Tommy John surgery, Mm -hmm. whatever the reason may be, is it overuse? Is it just overutilizing guys? Is it, you know, I don't like pitch counts. I think sometimes we coddle pitchers, but you're sitting with a guy like Carlos Rodon and a, your job is to win baseball games. Mm-hmm. And then B, your job is to not hurt Carlos Rodon. Right. Because you don't want to be the guy that costs Carlos Rodon $10 million and a shot at playing in the big leagues. So, I mean, it, it is so difficult as to what, what has to be more important to you on any given day. The future 10 years down the line of this uh, potentially transcendent star, or I need to win this game today. It is, it is, it is very, very tough and a very slippery slope for some of these guys that they have to deal with. I, I agree with every single word you just said. You are exactly right. You, you, you're perfect. I think, I think the coaches should lean towards more being caretakers of these pitchers. No, especially if they have very high draft prospects and, and cause they, they are potentially going to be making millions of dollars and, and, and at any, whatever you're talking about for college, they are in local parentis. They are acting in place of the parents. And that's True. to an extent how these coaches should be treated. I think, I think if you're going to err on one side or the other, and like you said, it is very tough. I think you err on the side of safety. All that being said, you better win some damn baseball games. That, and I don't believe there's any defense for Avent not pitching Rodon today. I just, I don't see it. And, 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 and to bat him DH. Like, like what? Just what? What if he he hits a ball in the gap and he turns it and he turns his ankle rounding first base? You know, or, or or what if he hits a ball in the gap, sliding into second base, goes head first, and jams that shoulder and tears it up? Or a fairly likely scenario: what if he's batting, gets hit by a pitch right on his finger, breaks his hand, done. Or since we're doing the what ifs, what if he is not pitching, not playing in the game, and while walking down the steps in the dugout, slips and falls on his left elbow, breaking it in three places? What if happens all the time? Rodon could break his arm walking to class tomorrow. Sure, he could. He could get in a bar fight. You know, so sometimes those things happen. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Not, not at NC State. They're a bastion of a uh, sainthood. Oh, of course, of course they are. Shackleford. Chris Washburn. <laughs> Get it out. All right. Um, Wes, let's hit the zeitgeist and talk about our our love of the United States. Our love of them hosting things as only the United States can. The question is, should the United States host everything? The answer is, of course, yes. So now let's delve a little bit deeper into why they should host everything. Well, except what I don't want them to host in any Oh, well, there you go. I mean, really. <laughs> so go, go ahead. Take, take us away, Wes. Well, A, the biggest reason that the U.S. should host everything is because, first and foremost, the most important thing to me, it is in on my schedule, which there I you go. 
because I'm American and I just believe America is better than every other country. And therefore our sleeping schedules and our working schedules are extremely important to the rest of the world. And they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I should not have to miss world cup games at two o'clock on Wednesdays because I'm working. No, they should start at six to seven o'clock my time. And then there should be one coming up afterwards on the West coast. Much I like the way time. you think. I like the way you think, sir. Boom. I mean, I'm just on this too. Um, you know, we don't have guerrilla armies walking down our streets. Thank God. Well, eh, you know, sometimes I, I can't. I can't speak for every militia around. You me. can't speak for Rocky Mount, but mo- most of our bigger Rocky. cities don't. Yeah, I, can't, I can't. I can't speak for the Bundy Ranch, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, that was a shot, wasn't it? Yeah, ouch. Um, three, Thank God they don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, I highly doubt those guys are listening to us. Um, three, we have infrastructure here. Mm, yes, it's not it is not such a uh, it's it's not such a stretch on our resources to sit and host. If they wanted to decide a year before, well, we'll just go to the United States. Cool, take your pick, guys. Where do y'all want to play? Our facilities are better than everybody else's. We have more of them. We have them spread out at a nice rate where a lot of people can go to them. A lot of different people can go to a lot of different places. Our travel is the best in the world. And by God, other than that, why doesn't everything just look better in red, white, and blue? My scarf looks good in red, white, and blue. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's the biggest reason is just the infrastructure is just there for everything. And, and not only that, but unlike some places... <laughs> Cutter, <coughs> Brazil, <coughs> Russia. If you if you give us even a year, we'll get you stuff built. We'll we'll get you stuff built on time. I think the only thing is, I believe the rest of the world would hate us, like they don't already. Um, oh man, don't want them to hate us, do we? Yeah, shocking revelation there. What a change of the way things. What's what's a revelation? Um, but I I honestly think you know. It's hard to say, yeah, let's host everything in, in the in interest of fairness. But we are the best equipped. We are I, – I, I just – I can't see an actual downside other than it's not fair to every other country. But what I would say to that is get good at making infrastructure. I mean, that, that's, that's – Qatar might lose theirs because of human rights abuse. Rio isn't going to lose the the World Cup. They're not going to lose the Summer Olympics, but they've been absolutely dreadful at getting infrastructure ready, just horrible. And not only that, but a lot of these countries, after they build these things, they're, they're not used for anything anymore. They're just they're just basically abandoned. Whereas you know, you look at America, you know, Turner Field was basically made. For the World Series or for the Olympics, uh, Georgia. A lot of stuff on Georgia Tech's campus was used from the Olympic Village. Well, you look at Los Angeles. You know, back in the eighties, uh, sure. you know, I mean, that went off without a without a hitch. You know, and now USC plays in the world famous uh, LA Coliseum. <laughs> you know, and the biggest thing right now, the biggest thing about the US is we don't have to build new crap. We already yes. have it. Yep. You don't have to worry, oh, God, are these eight stadiums going to be ready in time? Because we already have it. You know, I mean, that's the 
thing about us. We already have this stuff because we're proactive and we're awesome and we're America and we play more than one or two sports that people have ever heard of. And <laughs> did I mention that we're awesome and we're America? Here, here's, here's, I'm going to throw something out here. If you don't like it, just send it right back. What if we went on a rotation with England? What if, what if we welcome? Could, could, could England do it too? Well, absolutely. I mean, well, if we just want to talk World Cup. I think they could have did a good job of the Olympics as well in 2012. Well, yeah, well here's my deal. If you look at the, Euro- the European countries, you don't have these problems. England, you can do it. France, you can do it. Germany, you can do it. Spain, uh, they, they, they hate each other in Spain. I'm not going totally with Spain, but Spain could pull it off. You know, those countries can pull this off. They have the infrastructure. Um, they got a little too much of the socialism at times. But uh, overall, though, they, especially when you come World Cup Olympics, they have the facilities, they have the stadiums. You know, they, they do have the infrastructure to be able to pull these off and not be a problem. But no, suddenly we want to go to every you know backwoods country you know, and it's only because they're lining the pockets of set bladder. Yeah, which is the weird thing that you know Cutter got the twenty twenty two World Cup. I've never but, heard of Cutter before they got a World Cup. But here's the crazy thing: it's it, from everything I've read, Bladder wanted the United States to get it that year. Don't believe Sip. I well, I don't believe Sip necessarily, well, but, but that's, it's, it's not just Sip Bladder's. <clears throat> decision yeah. it's a committee's decision but i mean it's also come out that cutter was paying the committee off oh yeah of course of course uh, it and it, it's it's oil money and you know that's uh, that's another thing is they they want to go places where they don't have their claws in everything you go to the u.s you go to england you've already got your claws in those guys you know you go to germany you've already got it oh no but we're going to go to cutter and we're going to get their money you know we're going to go to brazil and we're going to get their money we're going to go to russia we're going to get their money there that's all it is they're always looking for new money and just looking for more money and sadly that's what it's come down to but the problem is you're putting on such a subpar performance suddenly i mean south africa four years ago barely were able to pull their And I and, and I will grant South Africa did a a pretty good job, not great, but it but it, they came in under the wire. Um, I don't remember enough about uh, the twenty oh two World Cup, which was in South Korea. I don't remember much well, of how that, that went, but I, I bet it. But I bet it went okay. Japan, but the thing is, you also don't have the problems in South Korea and Japan that you have in these other places. You don't have the social unrest in those countries mm-hmm. uh, that you're having in Brazil or Russia at this point. Right. It's it's crazy. I I I feel like there's an argument someone out there could make why the United oh. States or and, and when we say the United States, we love our country, but. We also do mean like England and Germany and France, and those those could also host them. But I think when we we're saying United States, we mean currently developed parts of the world. Um, like even though Canada, yes, Canada, hell, Canada, oh, um, the World Cup it would be. You know what? Work for England. You know, twenty twenty two joint Canada U.S. effort would it, it wouldn't be terrible. It, it had be to be all, all northern United States. So. Yes. Um, all right, Wes. So raw. Let's let's get into this week's wrestling update, and then we'll yell about Vince McMahon. Well, speaking of uh, 
jolly old England Raw this week came to us from London as uh, the WWE currently on their European tour. Um, a lot of excitement's going down. Roman Reigns got his eye legitimately busted open, had to have 10 stitches oh finding Randy Orton in Glasgow, which just makes sense because well, most people get their asses kicked in Glasgow because <laughs> of all the drunk Scots. Oh, 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 all, our, all our Scottish listeners just immediately ended this podcast. Or or they poured another drink and left. <laughs> anyway, we know they like the drink. <laughs> but anyway, um, oh. numbers coming back today. This is actually the lowest rated Raw this week uh, since early December. Uh, right now, WWE having some problems there. They've got some bad PR. You know, we'll get a little more into Vince McMahon in a moment. Bad PR from that. Bad PR that Daniel Bryan had neck surgery and is going to be out at the best about six weeks. Um, so you're losing your star attraction right there. Your world champion is on the sideline. Uh, John Cena, who's your really big, you know, kind of good guy, has been for the past decade. He's He's feeling really stale right now, which is turning off a lot of people. Um, so right now, really, you have one great program going and that's the shield and evolution. And luckily those are two really good factions. And right now I think that's, what's keeping their heads above water every week is, you know, you know, you know who your go-tos are. Those are your go-to guys. They don't disappoint. And this week you had a uh, Batista and Seth Rollins from the shield. They had a great match. Um, all setting up the June 1st payback pay-per-view coming up where we will get Shield Evolution in a no-holds-barred elimination match. So that will that will be fun. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that one turns out. But Raw this week, just like I said, we're kind of in a holding pattern, a lot of things up in the air uh, with the Daniel Bryan neck issue. Well, a lot of negative things, and uh, as you did mention, and we mentioned earlier in the pod, uh, WWE stocks took a gigantic hit, and Vince McMahon ended up losing about $350 million. He's also now no longer a billionaire. $357 uh, reportedly near a third of his fortune, according to Forbes magazine. Um, the problem, you know, analysts expected a bigger TV contract. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not getting as much push from the digital side of things with their new network on <laughs> all digital, which you seem to have really enjoyed so far. Oh, love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. And right now, uh, that's, that's an, uh, that enterprise is expected to cost between 42 and $52 million this year alone, according to the Los Angeles Times. Uh, investors apparently are calling for management changes. Um, so things not looking so good for Vince McMahon. You know, you can say, oh, he's still a bajillionaire. $357 million is nothing to scoff at, especially when it knocks you down from being a billionaire. Um, well, the thing is, to, go ahead. Vince, is not, Vince is not having to decide this week whether to keep the lights on at, uh, at McMahon Manor or, you know, go be able to buy food at the grocery store for his family. Is Stephanie yes, going mean, to have to hook? Is Stephanie going to have to hook? Uh, no, she can live off of Triple H's uh, wrestling earnings for years. Oh, fantastic. He's, but, he's, remember, don't forget, he, he gets to still double dip. 
as an exec <laughs> as an executive and as an active talent. Oh, are, are we really not doing phrasing? I just don't understand where you're coming from with this, Ed. We need double dirty. Such a dirty mind on you. Anyway, let's get a little serious for five seconds talking about WWE. Is Vince McMahon actually in trouble from his investors? Like, is this is this a storyline for the WWE, or is this a legitimate thing that McMahon should be worried about? No, this is legitimate. Now, that said, management changes did not particularly mean that Vince McMahon's on his way out the door. Yeah, he is still the owner of the company. Um, <clears throat> what I've read, what the problem has been is um, they they somewhat overpromised on the network. Mm-hmm. And the problem was the network launched before they finished the new TV contract. In a perfect world, what they probably should have done is hold off on the network launch until after they got the big TV contract. Well, the problem was they wanted the network launch to coincide with WrestleMania. So basically, if you don't launch it this year at WrestleMania, you have to wait another entire year before you launch the thing. So I just, I do, now as a fan, as just a strict fan, I am so happy they released the network. I enjoy it. I love it. The boy loves it. Um, it always gives us something to watch. Uh, you know, he's learning a little more the history of the sport every day and learning that it's not all about John Cena. Um, as someone with concern for the business, it's it does scare me a little bit. I mean, trust me, WWE Raw is not going to be off the air anytime soon. It's not like they're going to close their doors. But you just, for the future, you know, you're hoping – man, I hope we don't lose the network. We really enjoy the network. We hope we don't lose that. Uh, you know, you hope that they're able to keep all their top talent that they want to be able to keep. That said, I don't think that, uh, I don't think it would be a bad thing maybe to have a shakeup at the top because I do believe right now that the product has gone a little stale. And um, as I said earlier, other than a few, you know, a few components here and there i think they could really use a good rework on the whole company fantastic that's that's what we look for in so raw west that's that's the kind of analysis we come to expect from you that's uh that that's from the heart well Wes, before we tease next week we we do we neglected to mention one thing happening this weekend along with the lander bearcats and that is this i don't know if you can hear this You know what that sound means. I want that music played at my funeral, Ed. It's fantastic. For those of you not in the know, that is the Champions League UEFA theme. I want to play it at my second wedding. Even my third. Uh, we'll, we'll get it at your, uh, your young daughter's bar mitzvah. Ah, uh, yes. Any person had to be a boy. That would, you know, that would... That would explain why it was so weird when I showed up for her brisk. Uh, that would explain it. That would explain it. And I'm sorry we didn't have brisket that day for you. <sighs> Mazel tov. But we got to talk real quick. Uh, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid. Somebody from Madrid's going to be happy. Somebody from Madrid's going to be upset. And I'm pretty sure a civil war is going to break out before the end of Saturday. And that's Atle- why they can't host anything. Go ahead. <laughs> Atletico is taking on Real. Atletico just finished off the Premier BBVA Championship by 
drawing with Barcelona this past weekend. They win the title. Real has won the Copa del Rey. Wes, one of these two teams is, ab- is about to do a double. Which one is it? Well, I think I said during the, our first episode, um, I thought Atletico would win the league and I thought Real would win the Champions League. Um, I, I hold to that. Ronaldo and uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Chris, you don't understand what Cristiano Ronaldo is capable of. Uh, He's my man. They're both 100% healthy, ready to go. Um, as much as I despise the pretty boy Cristiano Ronaldo, as do know, I. at the same time, I weirdly attracted to him and his uh, masculine features. <clears throat> I'm much more attracted to his, his the woman on his arm, but that's that's me. Yeah, he does make her look a lot better, but you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, she needs the help. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what a pathetic excuse. <laughs> what a little loser supermodel she is. <laughs> Terrible. Seriously, she's barely a supermodel. She's barely super. Um, I just, uh, I do believe Real's going to pull it off in the end. And I think a lot of it's going to be injuries. Uh, Arta Turan, Diego Costa, very questionable to be playing in the final, both coming off with injuries in the Barcelona match this past weekend. Um, now the one good thing for Atletico is while overall the city of Madrid may be pulling for Real, the rest of the country of Spain will be pulling for Atletico because they hate Real Madrid. But, but, well, can't you actually apply that to most of the free world as well? Pretty much. Atletico or Real Madrid is uh, kind of on the same level of uh, the New York Yankees, the Duke Blue Devils, the Dallas Cowboys. You know, yes, there are a very hardcore group of people who love them. Uh, there are a million bandwagon fans who love them. Uh, but then everyone who, you know, is a fan of doing things the right way despise them. It's it's dreadful. I I think I mean, this is just I mean, as we sit here, they've they've already twice broken the world record transfer fee with Ronaldo and Bale, and now they're talking about, well, let's just go get Luis Suarez while we're at it. I think this is Atletico's year. I, I think they do it. I th- I think somehow, some well. They, they pull it out. They show enough grit. They show enough determination. I mean, Barca took uh, Real basically to the final minute of the Copa del Rey, and if not for a bit of Gareth Bale magic and a clinical finish, that easily could have gone Barca's way. Also, if, you know, Neymar hadn't basically missed an empty netter, we, we could be talking about Real trying to salvage this season, really. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just I think Atletico's going to do it. I don't know why, Wes. Call, call me a dreamer. Call okay. me John Lennon. Apparently, word is Carlo Ancelotti uh, coaching for his job. You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of crazy when you've been there one year, you finish third in La Liga, you're in the Champions League final, and they're basically saying, if you don't win it, we're going to fire you. Well, you know, that's that's what happened at Barca. They, they didn't win the Champions League. They, they didn't win La Liga. He's gone. Trouble of Spain. God, you gotta love it. The cut, the cutthroat world of empanadas. Oh, uh, so final prediction from you. I, w- I want to score. Uh, I'm pulling for Atletico, but I believe we're gonna see two one in favor of Real. One one, Atletico wins five four in penalties. <sighs> penalties. Well, just remember, out of those two teams, Gareth Bale is from Britain, so that cannot bode well for Real Madrid. 
Oh, Wes, it's been an excellent pod. Let's let's tease next week. We're finally going to do that World Cup blowout. We're going to talk rosters. We're going to talk predictions. We're going to talk groups of death. We're going to talk about Argentina's incredibly easy group. And we're going to talk about riots, I'm sure. Uh, maybe at that point, the NBA will have actually reached the finals. Probably not. But yeah. they... <laughs> but as as we do this pod, though, the Miami Heat have just defeated the Indiana Pacers. Yes. Um, LeBron James with uh, many many goals tonight. I, I actually watched that game. It was it, just defense, not uh, not not good in the back third for Indiana tonight. I, I, ha- I have it on as we uh, as we pod, uh, mainly because it's better than once again our favorite show at our home, the Mickey Mouse. Clubs. You have it on? Did you DVR it? Have what on the the match or? Yes, the the Indiana Miami Classico. Do you have it on? Classico, man. I, I mean, it was on live as we speak. Uh, right now, Michael Wilbon's standing on the court talking because you know we don't have enough Michael Wilbon in our lives. Oh, I, oh, I love me some Michael Wilbon, but uh, yes, uh isn't uh the game's over by the way? Game is over. Yeah, pay, uh, Miami with the win tonight. Yeah, it's been over oh, for a while. One thing I would like to throw out before we uh, before we do go off, some fantastic news coming over the wire today from ESPN. Uh, effective at the end of the 2014 college football season, Lou Holtz will be finally retired yes. from a commentary, which means I don't have to hear him spit and slurp his way through another Saturday after this season. Wes, Wes you know what this calls for. Piggy? No, you know what this calls for. Something, something this magical happening demands this music. I really hope they don't try to copyright it so much. <laughs> yeah, nobody's listening. Um, we'll also get you some college baseball updates. Of course, we'll update you on the progress of the Lander Bearcats if they were able to pull it off. Uh, I guess they'll be midway through the tournament when we come to you next week. Uh, wrestling. Begins pushing for SummerSlam, I assume, question mark? Yeah, we've only got like three more pay-per-views before SummerSlam. So we, okay. are, we, are, we are on the road to payback June 1st. Right payback, the back down. Uh, we'll finally talk about, does music suck? Are we getting old? We'll talk about that next pod. And of course, many more surprises. I'm sure we'll be rehashing the Champions League final uh, since we just spent a solid two minutes discussing it here. We, we, we'll have to have something to talk about. So, Wes, before before we go tonight, anything else you want to tell the good people at home? Uh, find me on Twitter, at WesBradshaw21. Send me your tweets, and um, I, I am available for birthday parties and bar mitzvahs. There you go. Find me on Twitter as well, at Edward Green, E-D-W-A-R-D-G-R-E-E-N-E. So, for my colleague, Wes Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green. You can always hit us up on our Twitter for the show, at All New Sports Show. Get us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Show. Email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Of course, send your letters, send your ravens, send your parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, zip code 27804. Till next time, this was the All New Sports Show, the podcast. Such a great episode. Hello. Hello. Hello.